It's really nice to be here. It's um, uh, 10 years and two months since we left here to go to Bury St. Edmunds. I suppose I should say greetings from the exotic east, um, uh, where we uh, went to take over a, a little church that uh, the pastor had died and uh, it had grown quite small. And uh, we've been there 10 years, and just recently I've handed over the leadership of the church to uh, an Irish guy called Dave Richardson, who's a great friend of mine, and uh, I'm now enjoying retirement and working as hard as ever. <laughs> but we've also had the privilege during that 10 years of uh, uh, not only building the church up, but planted out twice now, so that's really good. Uh, we've seen uh, one in uh, Stowmarket, that's growing well. Um, and uh, we've just got a, a one that's now just gone public in a public uh, hall in Newmarket. So uh, it's a great delight to be here and see you all again. You all uh, are slightly older looking than I do remember, of course, except uh, Ian Lane. Is Ian Lane here? He's away. Well, he's obviously having a beauty treatment. I mean, to be honest, I saw him recently and he looked exactly the same age as I remember him 33 years ago. So there you go. But it is really lovely to be here, um, and uh, it's a thrill to be amongst you and see how you're growing. And, uh, and you are growing too, not only outwards, but you're growing in numbers, which is fantastic. Um, I'm going to uh, just do something this morning. Uh, I'm going to be speaking on baptism in the Holy Spirit, but I want to put that in context. Um, quite recently, I've been reading my way through um, uh, 1 John. And I came across this little verse, which isn't going to come up here, but it's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 24. I will be using the scripture quite a lot. If you know me quite well, I preach from the whole Bible and usually in one sermon. So um, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 24, John, who by this time was a very elderly man, and they, they say of John that he used to be carried in to the meetings uh, because he couldn't walk, but he would say, brothers love one another. That's what he always said. And in amongst this, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 24, he says this. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Let me repeat that. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. You might say, well, is that how significant is that? But it's actually incredibly significant that we would remember what we've heard and it would remain in us. Because it's so easy to forget, to forget what God has done. I love that tongue uh, that uh, Mark just brought the interpretation of. It, 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 it just expresses how I feel. I never want to get over the fact that I have become a Christian. I never want to get over the fact that God has loved me enough to send his son for me. I never want to become familiar with any of this stuff. I, I, want, to, I want to go to heaven uh, knowing that I'm going to be with the one who gave himself for me. Don't you feel like that? Yeah. I feel like that. And, and, and as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more and more, uh, I suppose we would say, uh, extreme in, my, in my, my feeling about this. And I can see the gates of heaven not very far away. I've just come to my um, 71st birthday. Uh, I do share with Ian Lane the same, uh, we, we drink the same t stuff every day to keep ourselves looking young, of course. Um, but I, the more and more I think, yes, actually I was made for here and I was made for there. And uh, on the way, I want to take as many people with me as I can. 
I want to express that same love to as many people as I can. Whether I, where I'm working, with my family, wherever I am, I want people to know there is a God in heaven who loves you. People don't know that today. They don't know there's a God in heaven who loves them. And uh, this verse just says, hey, don't forget. Don't forget what God has done in you at the beginning. And he adds, actually, after that, he adds, because if you do, you will, you will re- remain in this eternal life to which you were, brought, you, were, you were called. And so I'm going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit because, you know, if you're a Christian here this morning, you have become a Christian because God found you. You do know that, don't you? We often use the phrase, oh, I found God. No, no, actually, he found you. He is the father in the parable of the son that goes off and says, I want my inheritance and I'm going to do my own thing. But the Bible says that every day the father was looking for his son. And when you became a Christian, it's because God was looking for you. God is calling you. I haven't got time to look at it in the moment, but Psalm 40 expresses that in the the words of David. He said, you know, I, I looked for God and he found me. And then he describes how he picked him up from the the miry clay and give him somewhere firm to stand. Look at your neighbor and say, this is good stuff, isn't it? I'm not commenting on what I'm preaching. I'm coming on the truth. Never forget it. You know, the Holy Spirit, many Christians know something about the Holy Spirit. um, But they don't often know him personally. And they don't realize that he is God in the same way that the Son and the Father are God. And, uh, but, you know, when we read the Bible, we find the Holy Spirit's everywhere. And in fact, um, when you get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, right at the beginning it says, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the darkness. Because he's the one that brings organization and brings life. That's, that's why we're alive now. That's his job. And um, John 14 somewhere says, you know, Jesus says, when he comes, he will glorify me. So his whole job is to say, look at Jesus, this one who gave himself for you. And I don't want to forget that. I never want to become familiar with this. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is totally fundamental, both to creation and our creation. Totally and utterly fundamental. So I just want to talk about two things to start with. And uh, first of all, I want to talk about this indwelling spirit who reproduces Jesus' life in us. And then I want to talk about the indwelling spirit who reproduces Jesus' ministry in us. When you came to Christ, and by the way, if you're not a Christian here this morning... I hope that what I'm going to be saying will, will put a thirst in you. I, I feel God has, has spoken to me that for some of you this morning, I'm just going to get you thirsty. I'm just going to get you you're looking, oh, maybe, maybe I could be included in this. For others of you, I feel God wants to, to, to turn up the heat under you and say, do you know what? You could be living at a different level to the one you're living in. And I'm going to provide an opportunity for us to respond this morning. I'm a great responder. I like responding. I like being in meetings where people call me to respond. Because like you, I'm quite reticent sometimes to respond. And I think, wait, hold on a minute. I'm in the presence of God. I want to respond to him. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity. You don't need to be embarrassed about it. God wants to meet with you. He's been looking for you and he wants to meet with you. 
So when a person comes to Christ, they receive Christ into their hearts. The Bible uses a phrase that says, we are born again. It means we're changed by the power of God. Uh, The Bible expresses this and says, you know, we become out of darkness into light. We become nobodies to being somebody in the love love of God. Turn with me to the Gospel of John for a moment. And where you get, it's just amazing what it says about uh, Jesus coming to live in us. Uh, John chapter 1. And um, this is verse 10 onwards. Fantastic words. Listen to these words. He, this is speaking of Jesus, is John chapter 1, verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, what does your Bible say? Children of God. And then it expresses what this children of God thing is. It says, children born not of natural descent, nor of a husband's decision or a husband's will, but born of God. That is amazing. You know, we're so British. Oh, yes, jolly good. What? Particularly seven eight people. Listen, this is amazing. This is amazing. It says, God took us who deserved nothing. And as we responded to him, to his love, he said, I, I put my, my very son in you. You become my dwelling place. When you look in the mirror in the morning when you shave, well, not if you're a lady, but you know. Listen, you're looking at one who is a child of God. You may not feel so good about yourself. But God feels great about you because he knows what Jesus has wrought in your life. Isn't that good? Tell your neighbor this is good stuff. You never want to get over this. Never get over it. Remember what you heard in the beginning. And let it fire you on a Monday morning when it's drizzling and it's not, and you've got difficult meetings. Hey, listen. No, yes, I'm living here, but, but God loves me. God has given himself for me. That'll change your day. They'll say, what are you on? <laughs> See, I have to think, we, we talk about witnessing for Christ, but actually it's us. We are the witnesses. What we're like is, is what touches people's hearts. And so when, Jesus, when a person comes to Jesus, he receives Christ into his heart. And Do you know what happens? God reproduces the life of Jesus in us. That's why it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, and all that lot. Did you have that at the beginning? No. How are you doing on the scale of 1 to 10? Well, I'm probably hovering around (laughs) 3. But God is determined to produce the life of Jesus in you. Won't you let him? Won't you say, then do it in me. I want as much as possible. How are you doing on your love for others and love for yourself? How about peace and patience? There should be a few wives digging your husbands at this point. Listen, but God is utterly, utterly, utterly committed 
to getting every bit of unrighteousness out of us and reproducing the life of Jesus in us. That's the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit, who it says, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and unrighteousness and the judgment to come. He's very active. And he's active to bring about the life of Jesus in us, that the world might see the work of God in you and me. I'm excited about that. So the first thing we've got is the indwelling spirit reproduces the life of Jesus in us. But you know what I've noticed is that a lot of Christians just stop there. Well, I'm saved now. Well, I'm going to heaven now. Well, I've found God now. And they stop at that point. But God doesn't want us to stop at that point. So Jesus said some amazing things to his disciples. He said, listen, I'm going to be leaving you. And I can imagine all their faces dropped. But he said, but I'm going to send one. And then he describes that one. He'll remind you of what I've said. He will help you. He is the one who comes alongside to help you. Boy, do I need that. Don't you need it? Did we ever intend to do this on our own? No. And so we find that the Holy Spirit not only produces the life of Jesus in us, he wants to produce the ministry of Jesus in in us. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. By the way, if you remember when I was here, I was working my way through the book of Acts. And I don't know quite where I got. I think I got to chapter 10. When I got to Bury St. Edmunds, I thought, what should I do? Well, I, I set the clock back to chapter 1 and went right through from, from chapter 1 to 20, uh, 28 or whatever it is. And, um, and, and I took seven years doing it. It became, it be, they, I, they used to take the mickey out of me for it. But at least they learned something. At least the Bury Church knows about the book of Acts now. This is what Jesus said. He, let me explain to you where the situation He has died on the cross. He has given himself for the life of those who, for for the whole world. And then, amazingly, as he said would happen, he has been resurrected and been seen by individuals and by many. The things that actually are uh, vindicated by non-Christian writers as well as Christian writers. And at one occasion here, he's about to leave them. He's warned them all the way through John that he's going to go. And when you get to Acts chapter 1, and uh, uh, chapter 1, it says, um, where am I, which verse? Uh, 3, uh, just halfway through it. It says, it says, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. I haven't got time to look at that in the moment, but the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus. That's what it is. It's not something, you all look here, no, it's the rule and reign of Jesus. So he spoke to them about the rule and reign of Jesus, which he had exemplified. He said things like, I never do anything except what I see the Father doing. I mean, where are you on that as a scale of one to ten? I'm I'm about a one. But he wants to reproduce this life of Jesus in us. And so he says this, he says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he did that so they didn't think he was a ghost and he knew that he was, had a real body. By the way, have you ever realized that Christianity is the only religion that honors bodies? Most other religions think that the body is bad and the spirit's good. But Christianity speaks about a body in heaven, Jesus' body. And so it says, um, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem 
But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then after this, he says in verse 9, uh, sorry, after this verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So he told them, wait. Because do you remember what I said? You need something more than you have in your humanity. If you are going to see the ministry of Jesus spread out through this world. And he said to them, just wait. And faithfully they did. I'm glad they didn't say, oh, I don't know, where's he gone? They actually met day after day after day in an upper room, praying and expecting, not expecting that they knew what was going to happen, because they didn't, but expecting that what Jesus said would come about. Hey, listen, I want to live my life like that, don't you? I want to live my life expecting that what Jesus has said would come about. But it's so difficult to do at times. No, Lord, no, keep my thoughts on you. On, remember what you did at the beginning. And um, so they're waiting there. And, uh, and, and, and if you read into Acts 2, uh, it's very strange. But it says um, in Acts 2 verse 1, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And in fact, it was so strange that people said, this lot are all drunk. And I like what Peter stands up. He says, we're not drunk like you suppose, but we are drunk. He says, this actually is what God promised. I rather like the way the New Testament, they don't try and justify it. themselves. They say, no, this is what God said. See, the promises of God are so important. When I was a young man, I used to listen to Terry Virgo. I still listen to Terry Virgo, but I used to listen to him very carefully. And he said this, you know, he said, if you've got the promises of God, you don't need anything else. If you've got the promises of God, what more do you need? So people say, the man who has everything in God has no more than the man who has God alone. It's true. And so... The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower us for service. Because he says, when this happens, you will be my witnesses. And he goes through the whole list. And I'm sure somebody's done this with you in the past. You know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They weren't easy places. Jerusalem is where they were. Samaria is where, you know, the Jews weren't really very popular. And all to the ends of the earth. He's saying, actually, it's good that I leave you now because I want you to be empowered with my life. You've got my life within you. Now I want you to find my ministry within you. Now maybe already you're thinking, oh, well, this is, this is for, you know, Ian or Adam or whoever it is. No, 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 it's for all of us. Every one of us can live out this life of Jesus before our neighbors and friends and bring hope to people. I've discovered that more than everything today, people need hope. Listen, we've got hope. We've got the promises of God. We've been changed. We, we're, we're an example of, here's one I made earlier. Aren't we? If we're the real thing, 
Or have we just got religion? I thought we got relationship. And so soon after that, Jesus actually in Matthew 28, Jesus said, um, go into all the world and make disciples. Do you remember that bit? Have you ever heard that bit before? Let, let me read it with you. I'm going to read it with you. In Matthew 28, it says this. If I can only find Matthew, somebody's moved it in my Bible. Matthew 28, it says this. I told you I'd go through the whole Bible. There we are. 27, 28, that must be where it is. It says, I'm going to read verse 16 in Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some of them doubted. Have you ever noticed that little bit there? There's room for doubts in Christianity. I think Thomas was there going, well, I still don't know. <laughs> and I think his, his brother was going, well, I don't know. It was my brother. I've shared the bedroom with him. I've seen his socks on the floor. But I do believe something's changing in my understanding. Actually, he went on to lead the church in Jerusalem. And then Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. I want to ask you a question. Do you think Jesus thought they could do that on their own? He's telling them to do this, but he knows they can't do it on their own. That's why a little while later, he comes and says, hey, do you remember that promise? Do you remember that promise I gave you? See, that's our verse from 1 John. Remember the things you learned at the beginning. Jesus is constantly saying it. So what happens then? What happens then? Well, they all began to realize we need a power beyond ourselves if we are going to see this world change for Jesus. I know you're emerging on a whole series of disciple making. Do you think you could do that on your own? Think you could do, we've got a few systems, we'll put them in place. Old Ian, you know, he'll chase behind us and make sure. No, no, that's not going to work. Actually, we need to be reminded of the life of Jesus in us. We need to be reminded that the reason we're going to be a disciple is because we've been changed and now we want more of his power and in our feebleness and our weakness and our inability. We're saying, but God, I'm going to believe your promises. Isn't that the way we do it? So it becomes a joy and we also see the changes that happen. I never thought I could do that. But God's doing something in me more than I ever imagined. Yes, it's his ministry in you. So even as you come through this discipleship thing, don't start thinking, well, that's for others and I'll put that aside. And, and you know, Norman's quite enthusiastic about it, but he's gone home again. That's all right. <laughs> Rather, we're saying, no. What did he talk about? He talked about the promises of God. This is possible through what he does. And you can approach it like that, say, then work it in me, Lord. Now, when he said, you know you've heard me talk about it, wait in Jerusalem, for you know the promise I, I've talked to you about. Now, where did, what on earth is he talking about there? Where, where did they heard it all before? Well, I know where it is. <laughs> I'm asking the questions. It's in John 7. Would you turn with me to John 7? I hope this is linking together today, because in John 7, I need to give you the, tech, the context of this. This is the day, the last day of the feast. Now, my 
commentaries tell me this about the last day of the feast. On the last day of the feast, the priests used to pour water down the steps of the temple. So even as Jesus is doing this, it's a bit like uh, Channel 4 News. He's standing in front of the steps of the temple and there's water cascading down the steps. And how he's standing up and giving his report. And this is what it says. It says in John 7, uh, 37, it says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus said and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, did you notice two or three things in there? There's one or two things. It's all about the promises of God. It's all about what God's going to do. And he says, but he said, there are some things that you need to get under your belt if you're going to receive this. He says, first of all, you've got to be, what's the first thing? If anyone is thirsty. You know what makes people thirsty? It's seeing somebody else having a lovely drink. I'm sorry to do this. Oh, mm. oh it's lovely. I do believe that reaching this world for Christ depends upon us being thirsty enough to drink in front of others. To drink in on a daily basis, however limited our understanding of what God has done for us. But living out a life that shows that we are feeding on him by faith with thanksgiving. Karen and I have just been on holiday to Greece for a week. And... uh, yeah, I know. Well, that's what happens when you retire, you see. And we're sitting in an aeroplane, and there's a man next to us called David. He runs his own business. He's very successful, and he's very unhappy. He says, I don't feel fulfilled in my life at all. And so he says, what do you do? So I say, well, it's not what I do, it's what I... I've become, uh, or something like that. And we, we talked about the church. He said, the church? He said, I thought, I read a report that in five years' time, there's not even going to be a church in this country. I said to him, let me tell you the truth. <laughs> and so we just sat there, and my wife was sitting next to him, so I'm having to shout, and I've got quite a loud voice anyway. It's good to evangelize the whole plane. And uh, <laughs> so we're just saying, just simply, what we're seeing God do in the nation about the churches that are growing where, wherever you look. And then I'd mentioned London particularly. And actually, he, he runs his own window fitting business. He does stained glass. And uh, I just, I've been reading C.S. Lewis really recently. So I just started talking about C.S. Lewis. He said, that's amazing. He said, I have recently put new windows in C.S. Lewis's house in Oxford. I said, well, I know about him. I've read about him. And he said to me, I've never heard anything like this. He said, we need to talk about this more. See, thirstiness. Ready with something, but he was immediately thirsty. Got to go to Greece Greece again. Go on regularly on holiday. Thank you, Adam. I'll take that as a a word from (laughs) authority. Do you understand? 
what this thirsty, this ministry of Jesus is, is that the, the life of Jesus is producing the ministry of Jesus. And we don't have to be great preachers. We simply have to testify to what he is doing in us. Often our testimony is what he's done in us. Now that's important. But I want to ask the question, is he doing anything now? Do you understand the difference? Yes, it's good what he's done. And let that be something that spurs you to worship. But is he doing anything today? See, that's the thing. So it says, first of all, let him be thirsty. Then, it, then what does it say in John 7? It says, let him come to me and drink. Oh, yeah, got that. Yep, thirsty, yep. Come to me and drink. Right, right, got it. Hey, listen. I've got my water again. I'm just going to have a drink. I, I'm really thirsty, and I think it's time that I had a drink. So, so, oh, yes, 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 I want this. I'll even come forward, perhaps, to be prayed for. Yes, I'm really thirsty, and I'm going to drink. Here, here I go, then. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, sorry, did you spot the deliberate mistake? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you are going to drink, you have to open your mouth. I mean, a lot of Christians that actually, sorry, all the electrics going. <laughs> I did cover up the microphone. See, Christians are, oh yeah, in theory, I've got it. I'm going to drink. But if you're going to drink, you've got to open your mouth. You've got to let the life of Jesus come out. And it says in my Bible, it says, whoever believes in me, believes in me. See, this is not a, a non-scriptural process. I'm just going to have to wipe my glasses because I can't <laughs> you, were, you were all sort of changing in shape. But, uh, no, that's better. Oh, it was very nice, by the way, that drink. Oh, it's lovely. Do you want to drink like that? Um, it says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You have to do something. You have to open your mouth. You have to receive. You have to let something come in and something go out. It says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said. When I heard Terry Virgo preach on this, he said, this, people have got to be convinced that this is scriptural. I was taught when I was a young man that the filling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was something that only happened in the past. I used to have a Schofield Bible. I was really well looked after when I was a young man, became a Christian. They gave me a Schofield Bible. But Schofield didn't believe that in this dispensation, at this time, is what that means, uh, actually we still, now we've got the scriptures, he didn't believe that we still need the Holy Spirit. But everywhere I look in my Bible, I find we need the Holy Spirit. And what's more, I know I need the Holy Spirit. So I need to be drinking. And I need to believe this is scriptural. And so for some of you, when I said, all I'm going to do is make you thirsty and move you on, maybe you need to go from here and say, I need to check this out. Is this biblical? Is this really what is true? Or is this something for the past? You could do that. You won't be forced to take a step that you haven't, you're not in happiness over. And then it says, um, as the scripture has said, it says, streams of living water will pour from within him. Have you got a stream flowing? What do the people at work think tomorrow when you get in? They say, hello, here's that drip. Or do they say, here's that stream? 
Or do you keep it all under wraps? I heard this true story. There's a Christian in an office, and there was a non-Christian in an office, and other people as well. And um, one day, the non-Christian went to a meeting and became a Christian. And he came in the next day, and he said to his mate, he said, you'll never guess what's happened to me. He says, what's that then? He says, I went to this meeting on Sunday, and I've become a Christian. And the Christian's face dropped. And he said to him, didn't you know that I was a Christian? He said, no. He said, you're the reason I haven't become a Christian for so long. He said, because you seem so happy, but you never said you were Christian. So I thought, it must be possible to be happy without being a Christian. That's a true story. You think, how tragic. How tragic. What I, what I like about Christianity is this. It's not all talking. It's acts of kindness. It's showing mercy. It's showing love to the unlovely. It's speaking well about your boss. It's not joining in the conversations where everybody's having a dig. It's living under a different kingdom. It's being a different person. And it's powerful. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus hadn't up to that point presented himself to the throne of God. But he has now. So we don't need to hold on. We don't need to wait anymore. We actually can say, no, I'm going to move on with God. I'm going to be the person that God's called me to be. Am I making you thirsty this morning? Am I drawing you on? Am I trying, I'm trying to show you that this is scriptural. This is what the world needs. To damp this down and say, well, no, 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 we're, we're okay, we're saved. That's enough. Is, is to miss something that God's got for you that will thrill you. I just want to ask you as I finish and never believe a preacher who says he's about to finish. But <laughs> what should I do before asking? Well, the Bible says that the wise man counts the cost before building a tower. That's what it says in Luke 14, 28. And you've got to remember that this baptism of the Holy Spirit is a beautiful gift, but it's a free gift. It is not something you earn. You don't have to become good enough to receive. It's for all who come and are thirsty. That's hugely important because... People get it all upside down. Yeah, but I'm not good enough. And of course, there is one, the evil one, who will say, you're not good enough. And when he says that to me, I say, you bet I'm not. But I'm still going to go to God. I talk to him like that at times. He reminds me, well, fancy you saying that when you've done this. Thank you for reminding me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I'm moving on. I think you can be essentially practical about the whole thing and remind the devil of what the scripture said after all that's what Jesus did didn't he? when he was tempted in the in the wilderness did he say well look do you know who you're talking to he didn't say any of that he said actually the bible says yeah see 
Don't forget the promises of God. Remember what you had at the beginning. Where were you saved? Because of what the Bible said. So use the Bible. Send it to him. Use it to yourself. Use it to him. Say, no, I'm not going to believe that because the Bible says. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So there can be, but I just want to touch on a few here. Listen, in my experience, if you had occult involvement, you will find that as a great blockage to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if you, uh, maybe you've been involved in the occult, Ouija boards, fortune tellers, seances, horoscopes, extrasensory perception, transcendental meditation, hypnotism, all that sort of stuff. Well, what do you do? Oh, it's not for me then. No, no, no. What do you do? You come to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm really sorry. I repent of that. Repenting means turning right round and facing God's way and say, I'm not going to go there anymore. Actually, it has a very strong influence on us. It's this word. It says, I renounce that. I renounce it. I want to say no to that. There was a guy in, I won't look him up now, in, I think it's Acts 8 or something, Simon the Sorcerer. Everybody around him is receiving the Holy Spirit. He's watched. He, he's been doing magic. It says, it says when he was doing magic, everybody was very impressed. But he comes to Christ. And then when he watches people being just prayed for as they receive baptism in the Holy Spirit, he says, uh, I, I, I'd like some of that. And he offers money. And Peter goes, you know, super, you know, what? How dare you say that you thought you could buy the gift of God with money? I see that you're full of wickedness and bitterness. And what I love about it is he says, oh, please pray for me that none of what you said will come about. I'm expecting to see Simon in heaven. But his occult involvement was a tape blockage. And he needed to say, I turn my back on that. But that's what happens when we become a Christian, isn't it? The first step is to turn around and say, I'm not going to follow that way. I'm going to follow God's way, isn't it? Or you didn't just think your way into the kingdom, did you? But what about another stronghold? Just fear. Just plain fear. I know Chris Mack, who's been here uh, recently, I think. I remember him talking about this. He said he was really afraid that if he got prayed for to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, he'd come out with something like corned beef sandwiches or something. That's what he'd say. And he said, I don't want to say corned beef sandwiches. I, I was just, for me, it amused me. It's a funny way of thinking, I know. But Listen, you're not going to do anything that's strange. God's not going to call you to stand on the middle of the bus and start preaching out loud. Actually, God is a God of peace. And the Bible says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. That's James 1.7. So if we're coming to God, we're coming to the one who gives good gifts. Look with me at Luke 11.11. In Luke 11.11, it says these words. It says... um, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if you ask for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You need to go away and read that, perhaps. It's a promise of God that if we come to God and ask him for his good gifts, we will get his good gifts. I'm not saying that. The Bible says that. So the stronghold of fear needs to be viewed in the light of what the scriptures say. What does the scripture say? It says, if I come to God 
and ask him for what he's promised, which is good. I'll receive what he's promised and what is good. When do people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, it, it may be quite different with you. I mean, some people, uh, it, takes, it takes place at the very moment they believe. Uh, Acts 10 shows us that. Peter's preaching his heart out to the Cornelius group. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit. It says while he's, they're still listening to him preaching, they start to speak in other languages. It's like the Holy Spirit said, oh, I can't, I can't take any more of this. He's on point nine. And it's half past three, and the, the, you know, the roast is burning. I mean, oh, go on, and receive it. You know, I don't, I just, it's not exactly what it says. <laughs> but the Bible does say that actually some received as they were just listening to uh, Peter preaching. Um, there are other times, though, uh, where people receive it as a separate experience. Um, Acts 8 would be that, where... You know, I, I just love this bit where Paul comes along and he says to a whole group of disciples, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, oh, I thought not. Because he was looking for something. He was looking for something in their lives that showed that the ministry of Jesus was coming out of them because of the life of Jesus. It's not something hidden. Ray Lowe, who, uh, oh, well, I oh, know I won't go into that story, I haven't got time. No, you did want to hear it, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I, I just, I want to, uh, I've got to ask the guys, they just put up a prayer that uh, you very kindly typed out for me. And I, I don't know where you are in all of this, but I'm just going to ask you in a moment to stand uh, and to just, to, to, you can see the words we're going to pray. You, you, you may have received the ministry of Jesus into your life already, but you may be just getting thirsty this morning. And this prayer will help you. It will help you because it will put into line all that I've said. And I'm going to get you to, to just say that together. Can I also just say, if this morning you have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to be your personal saviour, and to bring you from darkness into light, listen, you can do that today. You don't have to be special. You don't have to done anything to impress him. All you need to do is come and ask him. And he will bring his ministry into you today. So you can call on Jesus to forgive you, to put to your account what he did on the cross, and then you can pray this prayer. That's good, isn't it? Is there, is there anybody here who says, I never really asked Jesus into my life, but I, I would like to just take that first step. Well, if there is, I'm going to ask you, just, I'm going to wait for a moment. I'm going to say, I, I, just get you to stand up. And just, I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to say, God, will you open the door of heaven for these people? Now, I know this is a bit of a shock because you didn't know that I was going to do that. But, but if, you, if you say, I, I don't, I, I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. I've always been to church where I've, I believed there's a God, but I've never asked him to be my own personal saviour then you're just where I was once. But actually, he wants to take your hand and lift you through. Is there anybody who would say, that is me? Could you just put your hand up for a moment? Is there anybody? Well done. Anybody else? Thank you. For, I know it takes courage to do that. Okay, madam, may I ask you just to stand up where you are? And I'm going to ask everybody else to stand around you. Would you? 
All right. Uh, would everybody else stand around you, please? Okay. Now, uh, 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 sorry, I made an assumption here that you would like to just ask Jesus into your life. Right, well, that, that's fine as well, because I'm just going to do this quite naturally. I, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm actually going to ask everybody in the room to pray it with you, so you, your voice is not going to be heard. But actually, the Bible says that as we do this, heaven puts to your account what you are asking. Okay? So there's going to be a, a supernatural transaction of God in you, which will change you from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom. Not because you've done anything to deserve it, but because of what he's done. Is that okay with you? All right. Uh, can I suggest that everybody prays? And if you haven't had the courage that this lady's had, but you still want to pray this prayer for the first time, well, you could do it and nobody will know. But it'll still be, still be valid. All right? Here we go then. I'm just going to make this up as I go. Ready? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I ask you to put to my account the righteousness of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. Giving yourself that I could live. I receive this free gift now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I pray for this lady that uh, uh, now you bring the realization of your grace into her life. I pray that uh, as she just finds out more of what you've done for her, so, Lord, she will just grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, I've got this prayer up here. Thank you very much, by the way. I've got this prayer, and you can pray this prayer now as well. Because not only do we want the life of Jesus, we want the ministry of Jesus. So I'm just going to suggest that we pray this a line at a time, just that we think about it as we go. You've got the words in front of you. Should we do that? Heavenly Father, at this moment I come to you. I thank you that Jesus saved me. I pray that the Holy Spirit might come upon me. Lord Jesus, baptize me now in the Holy Spirit. May the and the power of God come upon me and in my life right now. May I be empowered for service from this day forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. Father, Father, I want to thank you that this church is growing. I want to thank you for new life amongst us today, but also on many other days. I want to thank you that you love all the people that live in the villages and uh, the town around here. I want to thank you that you have such a future for people that don't even know that you love them. And Lord, I want to thank you that you are looking at your church now and breathing your spirit on her that she might be empowered for service. Oh, Father, we say to you, now fill us, oh God, over and over again that the glory of Jesus might fill this area, this town, the villages. 
Lord, if we're at the point where we're just wanting to say, is this biblical? Then lead us forward on that as well. I thank you that you take your time with us. You don't force us to do what we're not comfortable with. I want to thank you that you're a good God. And I want to pray that, Father, we'd be filled and filled and filled again. In Jesus' name. Amen.